I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. These guys survived the David Kahn era of Timberwolves basketball and live to tell about it. It's Flagrant Howls. Then to everyone's favorite Timberwolves lifestyle podcast here. Kyle, how are you today, sir? How are you in the dead of Timberwolves offseason? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. There's uh, literally nothing else to talk about. Uh, I can't wait for the FIBA World Cup stuff to start. It was sad how into uh, the news of Ant Chignigas' jersey number I was. Because I was like, man, I'm, there's literally nothing else on on the bone. Like, let me have some sort of content. So, I don't know. I spent like five hours reading all the articles, seeing why he switched from one to five. I didn't love it from a marketing standpoint because I thought A1 from day one was like fire. But I five agree. seems to have real meaning, like real meaning, as John Krasinski kind of wrote. So uh, okay. good for him. Sell more jerseys. Kyle Anderson kind of gets left with <laughs> the remnants just, of the old like, one. He but... was like Instagram storying his feelings. Did you see that? He was just like, <laughs> yeah. post, he was like <laughs> posting photos of sad photos of himself wearing number five. He's just somewhere in China right now, just kind of going through it. But uh, shout out, shout out to Kyle. <laughs> so while we're sitting here, uh, we've turned the page to August. We still have my top 100 Timberwolves players list. No joke to get to at some point this month. Uh, we got a couple other fun guests lined up, but we start with our first fun guest of the dead period of the Timberwolves off season. He is a beat writer extraordinaire and a music connoisseur. His name is Chris Hine from the Star Tribune. Everyone, let's give him a round of applause. <laughs> Studio thank audience. you guys thank yes. you thank you it's the only time people yeah. ever clap for me or fake people clap for <laughs> wow. me. So wow appreciate it and uh so chris's uh laptop camera is kind of going through it speaking of people going through it yeah. so if he kind of jumps in and out the audio will stay but we may have to put his laptop camera in timeout Listen, at some the, point the less you have to see my face the better <laughs> <laughs> well yeah because kyle and i are definitely uh made for radio and podcast <laughs> but force ourselves onto the YouTube channel. There, Chris, there's a group of people in the comment section every week that are asking me to take my hat off so they, I will embrace my my balding, which I've had this hairline since I was probably 14. <laughs> but uh, So don't worry. And as we lose Chris on camera already. Chris, as we lose me already, yeah. <laughs> for, for those that don't know, as we kind of just jump around, I have a lot of music questions for you. Yes. Um, but from just kind of like, you know, interview, uh, tell us about yourself a little bit. Like you are a kind of the one of the premier Timberwolves beat reporters and you are the one that travels the most um what like how did you get into this industry and uh like what has it been like what would you say you do here (laughs) what do you do do here (laughs) well I I kind of got the bug when I was in college and I thought it would be just really fun to write for the school newspaper it was not in my plans to be a journalist uh, at the time and I just kind of got roped into the the college newspaper world. And basically, I existed in, in college to work at the student newspaper first and then go to classes second was what that became. So it just kind of gradually took over. And uh, I, I just joined the journalism program after that. And I just kind of have been riding this wave ever ever since. And I was fortunate enough about five years ago to uh, get an offer from the Star Tribune 
And I've been here now in, in Minnesota for the last five and a half years. And this will be my sixth season covering the Timberwolves, which is longer than I've covered anything in my in my journalism career at this point. And so you if I remember right, you you came on board. It was a really unique hire because weren't you like the analytics, almost like the analytics beat guy across the different yeah. sports when you got hired? Yeah, not that that's that was a very that was kind of short lived. It only that was only for like nine months. And then, I was excited because I was like, then, oh, we have someone to explain what, like, war is to the audience, you know? Someone can tell us what, uh, like, weighted on base averages for the, that's, that's the baseball right. nerds I think, like I think, me. I think I even did, like, a glossary, like, while I was doing that glossary of, like, baseball uh, advanced terms, like, literally, like, definitions of, like, what all those were. I think that was one of my, one of the things that I did. But then, like, kind of before the, the Jimmy blow-up season, um, we had, you know, kind of pieces moving around here and they asked me if I would cover the Timberwolves and so about nine months into my time at the at the strip I, I started covering the Timberwolves and my first week on the beat was the Jimmy practice and so, oh so it was God. like it was like welcome to welcome to the NBA <laughs> very very stark uh, stark entrance so if you st- if that's the way you start right you're literally thrown into the fire mm-hmm. what in these last five and a half years as you go on your sixth year because we're kind of been doing this the same timeline you just do it at a much better and smarter and more professional level than i do what like has there been a, a player that you've covered or like maybe a story like i remember that one where you went down to atlanta and got to kind of know ant was yeah. really cool like is there a story or a, or a player that's really stood out from a timberwolves perspective yeah i was really i was really happy with how that one came together um you know i still see it's my pin tweet on my well, I guess it's called X now uh, on my on my X account. Dude, that is a whole um, thing right now. Yeah. <laughs> but I still see people, you know, liking it and retweeting it, even like, you know, when they just stumble across my profile, uh, you know, to this day. So I was really happy with that story and the resources that we put into it as a paper. They sent me down there for four days, um, you know, kind of carved out that that extra money in the budget to, to really go down there and get to know the people that knew him uh, growing up. And I would also say probably uh, a player that stood out was Robert Covington. He was always very easy to talk to, um, just an all-around seemingly seemingly good dude. And and you know he he kind of opened up about some of his mental health struggles the one year he had here uh, when he was facing a a tough injury situation that didn't seem to be getting any better. And he came back like the next year. This was before you know I think the second year before he got traded. Um, and really just kind of opened up like for an hour plus after practice one day and, you know, just kind of went through all the ups and downs of, of what he was dealing with uh, during that time. And, and so I was really appreciative of, of him just, you know, feeling comfortable enough to kind of open up in that way. How would you not like to just to kind of zoom out, you know, looking at your, you know, over a half decade being around this organization and seeing where it's been and where it's going in your time? What would be like your nut graph sentence for how you would explain the Minnesota Timberwolves to an outside <laughs> casual? Like, what is your what is your like <laughs> thesis sentence about the Minnesota Timberwolves? Decades of incompetence, disorganization, uh, you know, losing with seemingly. A, a will or a, a desire at least to try and get it right. And maybe some, some sort of footing heading in that direction with some of the younger players that they have, right. Yeah. With, with like aunt Jaden, um, 
but will they ultimately get it right? Who knows? I guess that's kind of the yeah. that's kind of the that's kind of the, the nut graph is a franchise that is just long looked for a winner, searched for a winner, seems to maybe have a good foundation moving forward, but will it work out? Kyle and I kind of talked about this last week and we were just we were kind of meandering around just the the last like 15 years of this franchise since since Kevin Garnett went out to Boston there's been about three different false starts it feels like where okay all right so Garnett's gone that's bad but uh okay Al Jefferson okay Kevin Love is in the mix and then and that was kind of the first like oh there's a couple of good big men here and then Al Jefferson went away and then Rubio so then it was like the Rubio Love Pekovic false start where they, they, it's crazy. They actually they fought for the eight seed in two different seasons, but they actually never finished above five hundred with that core. And then okay, well, but but okay, right. here we go though. Andrew Wiggins and Carl Anthony yep. Towns and Zach Levine. This is going to be the group that takes you through. And then for a million different reasons, it wasn't. It's like and now they're trying again. So if you've been following this team for you know the last fifteen or twenty years, Anthony Edwards provides the most hope since Kevin Garnett. But you still have all of this PTSD from the right. other young nucleuses or nuclei that they've had before. So it, I think it is like, I think Kyle's unique because you do tend to, from a fan perspective, you're just kind of like, I'm in whatever, just dam- damage, damage <laughs> my soul. In, in automatically, yeah. no matter what happens, he's just, he's just in, but there's a lot of fans that whatever are just draft like, pick it is. Yeah. What, yeah. I'm like, I'm like uh, from a fan perspective, what movie is that uh, with Adam Sandler where she just wakes up every day and it's like a new day. And she doesn't remember 50 anything. First dates, right? It's yeah. fifty first dates with the Minnesota Timberwolves. Like <laughs> whatever the team did yesterday, I just wake up today and it's like, you know what? We got a chance. And okay, it's sad. can I make a case that fifty first dates was was like the comedic version of the Notebook? Oh wow! If you guys have seen both those movies, I mean, it's been a long time since I saw both of them, but uh, I could. You know, like the Notebook. Spoiler: better than the, the parallels. Notebook. Yeah, it's better it's than this, the Notebook. This guy tells the story of their relationship right. every day to his Alzheimer-stricken wife, and then I don't think it was—it wasn't like dementia. They was like Drew, Drew Barrymore just had like she had like a concussion that I think I it was know, like from an weird accident. Deal. Yeah, that that yeah. movie's better than the Notebook. So, but I defer to Chris because Chris <laughs> is also <laughs> Chris is our music person and probably our movie person too. So, Chris, I I know yeah. I said at the top, but like there, the, Phil and I talk about this. Like the Minnesota Timberwolves are kind of unique in my view because there's a small amount of beat writers compared to like you know the Lakers or something. But for you specifically, as we've become friends over the years, you do travel, which yep. as you know that's a topic for another day. But as sports media and stuff cuts cut like you are still able to get out there and i'm always curious and you've kind of shared some of this offline like how important is it to continue to have you on the road because for me i know it's important because a lot of the a lot of the quotes and the stories and the the memes and the things that we get on these road trips kind of come from you because you're really one of the only ones out there really traveling yeah most Um, of the season it's it's really important um and i and i hope that we continue as as a paper and as an industry this it's a very unpredictable industry. I mean, there's so many different headwinds against journalism right now. Um, but I do hope that we continue to invest as a as a newspaper in traveling to to games because I'll give you I'll give you a good for instance. Do you remember the the Detroit game last year in Detroit when Ant like was declared out and then he came back in anyway in the second yep. half even after he was declared out. Um, so I was the only, I was the only beat reporter there. So if I'm not there, I, nobody's going up to, to Ant after the game and asking 
what the hell happened? What was that? What was that all yeah. about? You know, what, what, are you feeling okay? Like, how are you doing? Like, you know, like that stuff. Like, that doesn't happen if reporters aren't on the ground there to actually a- ask those questions and request Ant to talk. The other thing that uh, that I'll point out um, from that from that uh, interaction was, you know, Ant they lost the game. They, you know, kind of an embarrassing loss to to the Pistons, right? Um, Ant didn't really feel like doing media after that game but when he kind of saw it was just me that was there and i have a relationship with ant and you know feel like after three years of covering him i have a, a good rapport with him like he said all right let's let's do it you know yeah because i think he he recognized that you know okay i know chris i'm familiar with them have a rapport have a relationship with him um you know I, so i think that helps too when you're when you're on the road there as a constant presence in the locker room and- all the time and I just want to, I've said this before because we're friends, but I want to thank you because as Phil said earlier in the lead up, this is kind of Ant's team, right? That He's the most hope this franchise yeah. has probably had since Kevin Garnett. But we were all introduced to this kid over Zoom because we're all stuck yeah. at home, right? Yep. And for some of the, how the sausage is made, like these NBA teams were forced to do Zoom, but like now they've gotten away from Zoom. So we're back to modern or old school beat reporting, right? Where if Chris isn't there or no one's there, no one gets to... Nobody's, get the funny quotes. Talking, no one gets to right. find out what ant is, you know, the Popeyes, all that stuff. So uh, I just wanted to throw that ball to you and see what you wanted to do with it, because it's really important that, you know, half the season we, we got to have quotes to talk about. Right, Phil, we got to have content. And Chris <laughs> is kind of the one out there uh, digging it up. So we commend you for your, your service. Well, thank you. It's it's really, you know, it's the paper that makes the commitment. You know, it, could, it doesn't have to be me. It could be whoever the Timberwolves beat writer is, you know, um, and it's just the paper's investment in the beat that is, you know, still something that I think can set us apart as a as a newspaper um, compared to others uh, around the around the country. Quite frankly. Yeah, well, you you kind of you use the word uh, like a few minutes ago, headwinds against journalism. And mm-hmm. I think there, there's a million different types of headwinds there's just the fragmentation of media consumption it's just you know 20 years ago and all of us are like fairly young so we we've all kind of grown up in the digital age where we've had online reading options we've had different audio options but if you think like 20 25 years ago you know just from like a music perspective if you wanted to listen to country music in minneapolis you listen to the like k102 the radio station right spotify didn't exist or you could like go buy garth brooks cds or something or whatever right <laughs> and then and then all of a sudden like napster comes along and then like more organized platforms apple music and stuff and the same is true for for sports media i hope that we continue to be able to and i and i get that the ship has sailed on this delineate between chris hine is a credible professional journalist who's in the locker room talking to anthony edwards versus you know, the aggregation party that happens sort of on the outside of that. But it is hard because teams don't need third party media like they did 20 years ago. In fact, if anyone wanted any message out from the Timberwolves in 1995 or 2000, they didn't have Timberwolves.com or Timberwolves Instagram. They didn't have millions of followers on social where they could say, you know what? We're going to put our own version of this out directly to the public. They needed Star Tribune, Care 11, these traditional outlets, WCCO Radio to get their message out. So it's like the third party journalists who are there to tell stories and to hold entities accountable get squeezed out more now compared to 15, 20 years. Your job is a lot harder now than it was back in the day, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, yeah, there there definitely is that that ability to just go direct to 
the consumer or the the fan um, f- from a team's perspective perspective. But I do think that there still is value in having a third party, oh, objective huge. party, cover you, tell stories about you, um, in a way that fans recognize that it's not PR, that it is you know objective analysis or or journalism. I think there's still a lot of value to that. And I and the thing is like readership and, and people people still want to consume content they still want to read about their teams here it's just how do we keep them here a and b how do we monetize that which are the eternal big questions that face kind of the industry and people way above my pay grade are trying to figure out and and come up with i'm just trying to write and do my job and hopefully we're able to do that into the future. I don't know what it's going to look like, you know, five, 10 years from now. Nobody knows because this industry changes so quickly. Well, uh, going to Phil's point about your job being hard. Uh, I'm sure everyone listening to this has a difficult job, but I do want to highlight something because I wanted to bring this up on a recording once, but when the wolves were down three Oh, in that series against the nuggets, uh, I'm just there to watch the game. And then I get to go drink a beer and do a podcast. Chris was simultaneously writing a winning gamer oh, yeah. a losing gamer while also scrolling through his favorite airlines to see do i need to book a flight uh four hours from now to go to denver so that man uh not many people in the industry have more tabs open than chris <laughs> this is true so, so and when we talked about travel and the importance of having you on the road again i'm sure glenn taylor's listening to this we need to keep chris going and maybe some first class flights but we really can't have you on the pod and talk about travel and away games without asking you which is probably the most important question we've ever asked and can you rank your top five nba cities to travel to yeah yeah uh, you've asked we've we've talked a lot about this um and uh, to clarify for everybody out there my my ranking is going to be very subjective to me and what i and what i and what i look for this is not like i'm saying to you as an average fan this these are the cities you're going to have the best time in these are cities that i tend to have this is a very selfish ranking it's a very selfish ranking part of that is i'm a member of the lgbtq community so i appreciate cities that have more vibrant gay cultural aspects to them so yeah i would say at the top of my list probably toronto i love toronto toronto is one of my favorite cities um didn't get to go there last year just because of how they had a back-to-back there and it was weird in the middle of a road trip so i skipped it for financial reasons um but i love toronto um there's a courtyard marriott that's literally right around the corner from church street which is the gay district of toronto so it's like perfect location to just go out and have a few drinks and or whatnot um restaurants are great there um wonderful city um toronto's at the top of the list Kyle, have you been i've never i've been to vancouver never toronto uh oh this is even worse but people know where i'm from uh i've been to winnipeg and winnipeg oh, was you've never been great. to vancouver never been nope nope you winnipeg portland when i when i covered the nhl vancouver was at the top of my list of nhl cities to visit okay, okay winnipeg was pretty winnipeg cool Winnipeg was at the bottom well, Winnipeg, you can drink when you're 18. So when you're uh, a Dakota kid, it's like two hours to a bar. Kyle lives like five steps from Canada. He's like, I've been to Winnipeg, but uh, those other beautiful cities, maybe we'll get to some other time. Okay, so Toronto, I've, I've heard that in players, I think, like Toronto too. Like Toronto sounds like it's mm-hmm. a pretty cool city, so it's on the bucket list. But yeah, what what comes in, I'm, I'm really curious what comes in the rest of the top five. San Francisco, okay. Port, Portland. Not just because I get to see you and when when we're in Portland, <laughs> um, uh, and the kind of the kind of the ones you would really suspect at that point. Chicago. I lived in Chicago for eight years. I loved it. I loved it there. So 
the chance to go back is always welcome. New York. Um, and after that, it's really anywhere warm during the winter is my favorite NBA city to visit. Yeah. <laughs> the, the logistics matter too, right? Like I, Denver's got to be low. Logistics, on the list. yeah, yeah. Like Denver would be low on the list because I, I hate that drive to and from the airport. It's like fifty minutes from the airport to downtown. Everybody raves about like how great the Denver airport is. I'm like, no, it is one of the worst experiences in the country. <laughs> I hate it. I hate it. Why does Den? Why does the Denver airport get so consistently ranked as like the best airport in the country? I'll never understand that. What? So okay, I'll maybe I'm wrong. That. I love the Minneapolis airport. I think I it's a great airport. Same. The it's Minneapolis excellent. airport is is for my money you could you could make a case that it's like number one in the country for my money it's I, huge I and sometimes you wind up walking like five miles to a gate and you know but like other than that that's it's fine beautiful it's 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 beautiful there's you know if you if you get stuck on a layover there like it's not really that much of a problem there's plenty of spaces and areas for you to go proximity to where you generally need to be when you're on a work trip like 15 minutes to downtown is great uh public transit to and from the airport also helpful so like yeah i'm i'm all in on like msp being like the best airport in the country anyone sure. who thinks minneapolis airport isn't a good airport has never flown has never LAX. has never flown oh my god lax is a <laughs> oh man that is when, that when is... they make me get off the off the plane and then get in a bus and then travel to, to another go bus to the uber yeah yeah, and yeah another plane just, yes. yeah <laughs> they make you they make you go to a shuttle to get to the uber spot yeah like you can't exactly. just like in every other airport in the country, you you land and you can start searching for your Uber, right? Not at LAX. You got to get in the shuttle and then go to where would, the Ubers are. I was at LAX for an a hour. few months ago for a like a sports media thing, and mm -hmm. they they gave me they gave me two options. Mm -hmm. uh, you can either get on the shuttle, wait in line for the shuttle, and it'll be about thirty minutes to get to the Uber. And by the way, which yeah. is like a mile, but the line was so long. Or you can just walk a mile to the Uber yeah. line. Like, <laughs> yeah. Okay, I guess we're guess we're walking. Guess we're walking a mile. See what happens. LAX is a nightmare, especially if you have to travel like around Thanksgiving or Christmas, which I used to do when I covered hockey. Um, brutal, just absolutely brutal. Eating better is easy with Factors' delicious, ready-to-eat meals, always fresh, chef-crafted, dietitian-approved, and ready to go in just two minutes. From pancakes to smoothies to meals and more, discover a wide variety of easy options for the entire day, like breakfast, midday bites, and more. And if you're always on the go and eating a quick and easy way to find something to eat, you need to try Factor Meals. They have an easy-to-use website. Factor is also flexible. Change up your order every week with plans from 6 to 18 meals per week or pause or reschedule your delivery at any time you can sign up and save and we've done the math factor is less expensive than takeout and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious head to factormeals.com slash howls 50 and use code howls 50 to get 50 percent off that's code howls 50 at factormeals.com to get 50 percent off go check out factor meals I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. 
it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. So, so to spin this back a little bit to the Wolves again, because then I have to get into the meat and potatoes of your music career. But uh, <laughs> I know you, you like you got to talk to Nas a little bit. Like this current iteration of the team, mm-hmm. is there some? I mean, the, the the Covington thing was actually I thought maybe the best thing you wrote while you covered the team because that was so there was a vulnerability there, right? Like a transparency yeah. that he felt really comfortable with you. Um, but in this current iteration of guys, do you feel another guy or two that had maybe not the same topics that you talked about with Rocco, but just like that seems to, once you establish that, that relationship and that connection that they do seem to open up and have maybe a side to them that the typical fan is not aware of. Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, I think gen- in general, going around this lot, this particular locker room that they have assembled, I don't, I don't know the new guys yet, but of the guys that are coming back, it's a pretty good group of guys to to talk to. There's a lot of, of personalities, a lot of like just seemingly friendly kind of guys who are engaging and, you know, uh, kind of forward with the media in, in a way. So it, it's, it's good for our jobs and it makes it a, a lot easier. Nas is Nas has always been great to use him as an example. Um, he's always been great from you know the Zoom times to to now. I remember doing a, a story on him a few years ago about his love of drawing. Um, I had a really fun time with that story and getting him to talk about like when he was like in sixth grade and you know the, the teacher that really inspired him to kind of open up artistically and it's something he still does. Um, and I tracked down the teacher and, and talked to talk to her and, and it was just a really fun, great story in the middle of the pandemic that 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 was great to do. So like you you just use kind of and, and, and again to to circle back to our original point, the value of always being there in the locker room is you get to have these kind of casual chats with guys that could even though they're off the record, like you know, you're just kind of chatting with them, your recorder's not on they can turn into stories potentially like you, you have a chat with somebody and then you say like, Hey, you, you mind if I do a story on, on this, you know, or, or, you know, if I interview you for five to 10 minutes about this and that sort of stuff becomes the basis for what you eventually write. So you don't get that by, by not being there and, and building that trust. That's, that's something you can't do over zoom or you can't do from afar. It's something that, that you have to be on the ground for. Do you, you've been doing this a while because you were covering the Blackhawks, right? Before mm-hmm. you came to Minnesota for the Wolves. So do you find in 2023, and this is kind of pigtails on, or kind of jumps onto everything we've talked about, but that athletes have their own ways to get their message out, right? Or whatever, mm-hmm. through social media or the social players. Media, stuff. Yeah. But do you find with all the stuff that goes on, both in sports and non sports, that players are like less trusting of the media than ever before? And that makes building those relationships both more important and harder in the same time? I, th- I think it can be. Um, I, I don't think that there's a lot of understanding among players as to what like my job or John's job or Jace's job or Dane's job, like how are, how are all of our jobs kind of differ from each other? They just kind of see us all as one monolith, right? We're the media. They don't really differentiate us from 
like you know the people that aggregate at Bleacher Report or mm-hmm. you know s- stuff like that. Like, I, so I wish I could like. Ex- there was one player last year who like was when I told him like I have to write like you know two different stories every night and then I have to write on the off days. He he was looking at me like I had three heads. He's like, really? He's yeah. like, you do that much writing? And I'm like, yeah, like that's that's the job. Um, and and so I, I wish I could kind of sit them all down <laughs> and explain that to them and have them pay attention for five minutes and be like, this is what we're trying to accomplish here. This is what my job is. This is what everybody else's job is. And, you know, we, you know, we're not necessarily the people that are on social social media and us are different things. That's what I would love to tell them. Um, but I don't think they quite, especially the younger guys, quite understand that. Um, I, I will tell you a funny story. Kyle Anderson seems to kind of get kind of get that. And we, we've chatted a lot about like um, he loves The Wire, uh, the TV mm. show The Wire. So he's asked me a couple times about like season five of The Wire. And like, is that true? Like, is, is season five true? Like how, uh, you know, how, how it works in a newspaper like that. And I remember there was one there was one time after uh, we interviewed him after a game. And like he knew my deadlines for that game were, were pretty tight because it was like a later start. And after like the recorders go off um, following his post game interview, he turns to me and he says, or he asks, he's like, did you get it in? Did you get it in? Did you get the story in? <laughs> the ticker tape. <laughs> exactly. Out in the exactly. Background. Yeah. Yeah. So, so that, that was somebody like I was kind of explaining like how the, how the job works too. And, and I think he came away with a better understanding for how it all just kind of comes together. Yeah. Okay, I'm gonna. You you can omit names or you can dodge this altogether. But my my career started as a baseball beat writer for a handful of years, and so I was. Uh, there there were times where you know you'd write a report something or say something that you know someone disagreed with or whatever. Yeah. They're having a bad season, and there was times where like Ron Gardenhire or Bill Smith or Terry Ryan would would pull me into the principal's office and you know be pissed about something. <laughs> yeah. Um, and again, you can o- omit whatever you want here, but have you had principal's office? Like, you know, people don't know how the sausage is made sometimes, but have the wolves ever been, been pissed at you? And it's, and it's been uncomfortable in, in well, certain ways. It's never, it's never uncomfortable. I, I would say it's, it's, it's rarely uncomfortable. I think, I think getting kind of that feedback is a part of the job. Um, and when you start out as a journalist, you might, you know, take it one way, but then you, I think you realize that, listen, it's part of being a beat writer. You write every day. Not everything you write is going to be good with them or like, you know, they're going to feel some, a certain type of way about it. It it doesn't happen often. I'll say that, but when it does, everything is usually handled very easily, very professionally. And then we're on to the next day. Like, you know, I just kind of explain, here's what I was thinking when I said this, um, or when I wrote this and it, 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 there really haven't been any issues of anything I've ever written that have lingered. I guess. And sometimes it can be sort of, this is another sort of how the sausage is made, but maybe you, you put something out and someone has an issue with it and they come and talk to you. And in that process, the relationship gets stronger. And now they're explaining something to you sort of on background that, Oh, that's, that could be yeah, information yeah. or a scheme thing or whatever it may be that that, that could that, be, that I, I didn't know. I generally think like when you listen, when the team isn't playing well, they know that they're not going to get like great coverage from us. Right. 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 Exactly. (laughs) I I think, I think the thing that, that, and something that I've always been very careful about is you never want to take anybody's words out of context. That happens a lot on social media. Again, with like the bleach report memes and whatnot, words get taken out of context and misconstrued. So I am always just very careful, even when I know a quote might be especially kind of, spicy or 
internet-y or might go viral or something like that to make sure you put it in its proper context before you go out there um, or before you put it out there. That's something that's that's very important, I think, to me in this in this age. And, and you know, and I, I don't think I've ever run into an issue with that in my in my time covering the wolves, because that's something that I always try to be very careful about. You've done some you did. Obviously, we talked about the ant article that was mm -hmm. phenomenal. And you've done some really good stuff on Nas, I guess, just uh, kind of lower on my list. But um, do you know exactly when? the deep dive Sunday front page of the sports feature on Jaden's going to be. And do you need me to give you quotes now or do you want them later? <laughs> I did one before last season. Uh, before, we could do an annual one. Though. That'd be kind of nice. We can do an annual one. I should. Um, I, so, you know, I'm sorry I didn't quote you in that one. Uh, what was it? 2021, like this fall of 2021 before that season. Um, so there was one that I did already. You just missed well, it. Well, I, I'll go look it up. But if, when he signs, when if and when he we'll signs try to like, figure, contract extension, yeah. we might need you to go talk to him again. And like, we'll try to figure something else out. I, I do. There is, in all seriousness, there is like I want to try to figure something else out about you know a deep dive into into Jaden and really a lot of these other guys and just different ways to tell stories about about them, um, even the ones that maybe we've already written about before. Because you know I think especially with some of these younger guys, um, they're going to be here for a while, and we should get to know them. All right, we want to we want to be respectful of your time here, but we also want to ask you about music. I got all day, so go you, ahead. Yeah. I, do you want to <laughs> set this up like a? Do you want to set this up in like wrestling terms? Because I kind of had it queued up. Way, like... You can't really see it here, but I brought my I brought I'm wearing my Carol King tapestry. Wow, uh, albums, all the song titles are rolling across the the shirt here. That's uh that is hardcore, yes. man. That's so, hardcore. Yeah, Carol King is very hardcore. Yeah, so hardcore. This I want is great. actually. I can give you my five favorite Carol. <laughs> I'll say my, my favorite Carol King song is um, "It's Too Late," and it's I actually, late. I actually think I'm. This might be sacrilege. Mm -hmm. I might like the Gloria Estefan cover of it just as much as the original. Interesting. Version. You know what's oh. funny is when I when is I it? sing when I sing it at karaoke yeah, when I sing when I sing that song at karaoke which i may may have done a time or two <laughs> i always ask if they have the gloria stefan version because it's actually a half step lower than carol king's version wow. is so it's easier for like a man to sing that song because it's just a little bit lower that's so that is karaoke calculus right there <laughs> yeah if there's, a, if there's a, a remake that's a half key that's lower a half step lower i'm asking for that version instead so yeah from a wrestling term mm -hmm. cage match mm -hmm. if you have prime carol king Oh, no. And prime Mariah Carey, who is coming out of the cage victorious oh, in a no. fight or a singing contest? Uh, this, oh. Probably let's let's lean towards the singing <laughs> for now. Well, I mean, if it's just pure vocal ability, it's Mariah. Like, okay, the reason I the reason I like Carol King is because I think she's the best songwriter that's ever lived, and I say that in a place that has a mural of Bob Dylan uh, right down the street from me. Um, but Carol King is the best songwriter that's ever lived. Um, Mariah is the best singer that I've ever heard. Um, so if it's just pure singing ability, it's it's Mariah. For okay. Sure. Yeah. Maybe this is um, maybe these two are on this list. But if we were to take a mm -hmm. scroll through the top five most played mm -hmm. artists on your Spotify or <laughs> Apple Music, whatever yeah. it is, and let's take yeah. the, let's take those two out for take a second. Take those two out of it. Sure. Yeah. What are okay. off the top of your head? What do you think the okay. other five would look like? Um, Dusty Springfield, uh, for sure. For the that's a, that's a popular choice with the kids out there these days. Dusty Springfield, um, Michael Kiwanuka, which I don't know if you know who that is. Okay. He's a, Google. It's like a British. I, I tend to think he's like if Jimi Hendrix was alive today, um, okay, making like music that. today. Like 
that's what Jimi Hendrix would be. Um, he's really good. Michael Kiwanuka. Did you ever see the, the show Big Little Lies on HBO? Yeah. Yeah. He does a theme song to that. That's oh, like okay. that's like okay. one of his songs. Um, Lady Gaga would be up there. Casey Musgraves is up there for me. I love Casey Musgraves. I listen to she has four albums. I I'll just put them on repeat, like on flights. Wait, apparently, like, by the way, real quick, Lady Gaga. I saw a story. Mm-hmm. I think it might have been Star Tribune that. Wrote yeah, this. she was. She was here she was in like town. Yeah, Bar Lure Cat a yeah, couple weeks yeah, ago, yeah. just randomly, <laughs> just upstairs, like randomly. with Chris? a friend. I, I wish Chris, she, yeah. she, didn't, she didn't call me. I didn't get the. I didn't get the call. Uh, <laughs> wish I did. Um, her, uh, yeah, Casey Musgraves. I love uh, Brandy Carlisle's another another big one. Marin Morris. Uh, those are those are. I, I've had more of like a kind of a country bent recently, um, but it's like all these ladies who do like this kind of soulful kind of brand mm-hmm. of country yeah. and that are just really good songwriters. Like, again, Casey, Marin, Brandy Carlisle, like they're phenomenal, phenomenal artists. And so those would be kind of the ones I listen to most now. Under the music umbrella, because I just <laughs> this is a little bit no one knows of me, but I took piano lessons growing up like mm-hmm. my whole life and every lesson I got worse. Because I just never practice in between. <laughs> but Kyle's you know, like in year three, they're still playing chopsticks, or like how bad was it? Yeah, like I'm like the Anthony Randolph of hot cross playing. buns. Yeah. Uh, did you? I, I'm just curious. I could ask you this offline. Mm-hmm. Like, did you just self teach? Like self? I did. Okay. I did. Yeah. When I was 14, and I had a really bad back injury one summer. I had a stress Ooh. fracture in my lower back. I couldn't play sports for a whole summer. So my aunt had a like a little Casio keyboard. And so literally I could do nothing else all summer. And so I bought Mariah Carey's daydream sheet music book. And I like, <laughs> I still have it. I still have it. I sh- uh, I'll, sh- I'll show it to you one day, Kyle. I'm sure you'll love it. Um, but I like marked up the book, like what, what, like what all the notes were and everything. And I learned to play like the songs in the Mariah Carey daydream sheet music book. Wow. And that was kind of how I learned. I taught myself how to play piano from that book, essentially. Are you, are you going to be, Phil, Chris, would you be mad at us if Phil and I just pulled some strings and got you to just play the national anthem on a piano before a home game? That would be kind of fire, actually. They're probably, they're probably uh, looking to fill some of the slots, right? I'd have to, you'd have to, have to really jazz it up. I can't just be like, you know, plain and like da 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 da. You know, you can't just yeah, mix do in, it. Like, yeah, mixing some runs, you know, yeah, here mix, and there. Mixing some, some jazzy chords or something like that, you know, <laughs> things like that. So I'd, I'd have to really put some, some work in on it if, it, if we were to yeah. do that. So I feel like had you guys with your piano, I uh, I played trumpet until I was like in early college, and Ooh. it's I said mm-hmm. that like of all the things I've been good at, which aren't that many in my life, trumpet might have been number one for a certain age, and I just found out really quickly the amount of well the amount of practice it takes to keep up like your chops and stuff, but it's not an instrument that you can just like oh we're gonna go hang out tonight at a friend's house and you <laughs> bring, know like bring my trumpet take the along. trumpet yeah. out of the case right, but like guitar piano. If I could go back and devote yeah. all the time I devoted to trumpet to like things that you could play more casually at an airport or something, you know, like it, you don't just like take your trombone out or your French horn. It's just sort of a yeah. No one's playing recorders <laughs> at airports anymore, but we all are forced <laughs> to play recorders, right? I'm, I'm picture I'm picturing somebody just pulling out their 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 French horn, just standing there with the the very ornate French horn, just playing and yeah. or a tuba. Metal. Yeah, exactly. tuba in the terminal. If the wolves, if the wolves, to circle this back to this lifestyle podcast, if the wolves win fifty games this year, I will get 
Phil Mackey outside of Target Center playing a trumpet. That is my, you, know what, you know what I did? I guarantee to you. The my wife, my wife and I have been together. We've been married for th- for th- three, almost four years. We get uh, together for ten years, and uh, I think it was like the second or third year of our relationship, and I hadn't played in ten years. But I was like, you know what? I got. She loves the theater, and so I got her Phantom of the Opera tickets for her birthday one year, and I was like, I'm gonna bust out my trumpet and. I'm going to play the Phantom of the Opera theme song <laughs> as like a, hey, here's your gift. And it was, it was, it actually went pretty well, but she thought it was so thoughtful, right? It's like, oh my gosh, wait, where, where, where did you have a trumpet? She's like, why do you have a trumpet? Let me tell you a little bit about band Phil back why in the you, day. Why do you have a trumpet? Yep. <laughs> I don't, Phil, I don't know if you got anything else for Chris. I, I did want Chris to just say something super spicy that we could aggregate and get some clicks. But uh, yeah, what's your hottest take right now? We, we, do try to, uh, we do try to end with just the dumbest segment of all time. It's my question of the week. But I'm curious because now I've got both of you on. And Phil, I couldn't wait till next week for this one. So what is the best? It could be current, but what is the best job you've both ever had? It can go all the way back to when you're, I mean, any, it could be anything, but what is the best job you've ever had? Um, hmm. I'll say the current one. Like, oh, wow. It's, you know, I don't, you know, I'm not, and I'm, I'm not exaggerating when I say that. Um, this is the best job I've, I've had. I'm very lucky to have that um, and to be able to do this for a living. So, you know, it might be a sappy, corny oh, answer, but I'm, I'm, I'm sticking with this one. I, man, so I feel the same way about my current job. I love, I love that we've sort of migrated from, you know, the traditional like AM sports radio world. And we've, I love, I love doing this like an idiot on a microphone for Wolves fans and Vikings fans on Purple Daily and stuff, but a close second, maybe a 1B. And Kyle, you know this because we've talked about like poker on the show, but. I mean, for three years in my early twenties, I paid my rent money playing online poker and like nice, like, like any good going to Canterbury mid- and stuff. Yep, yep. So now that was like probably more fun in retrospect. When you're living check to check and you're down like four hundred dollars at a Canterbury, uh, you know, like four eight game or something, you're like, how am I going to get home? It can be a little <laughs> stressful in retrospect, but so I would say this right now. But if I ever had a chance to you know grind some poker again, I probably would would take those that. Are good answers. What okay. about you? What about you? We're well, um, I'm pretty confident that my current employer doesn't listen, so uh, it's definitely not what I'm doing right now. Uh, so <laughs> shout out to Chris. Uh, I uh, I didn't actually prepare myself. I I delivered drugs for a while. Uh, context there is my dad owned a pharmacy, but okay. out of okay. context, uh, Impor- just, important context. He clipped that up. Yeah, so I, I was just, I was just gonna say if we were to aggregate that, <laughs> and, you know, without the context. Uh, so uh, yeah, I yeah. Kyle delivered drugs and it yes. was pretty successful. I have uh, delivered drugs, Kyle Tagge. Yep. It was yeah. So I was just had these prescriptions I would bring to these old people in my little hometown, and it was fun and it was easy money, and I never had to dress up and I listened to the same Fifty Cent album every day. But uh, yeah, it was I was reminded of that sometimes. Like I had a buddy that was like I actually very successful and like he's like I, I worked at cold stone and i know all the songs and when we go to cold stone he still sings them so i like to kind of dig into people's past but chris make this being your favorite job i mean again could bring it full circle we are appreciative of all you do and i was glad to have you on to people get to know you a little better because i think what you do is really really important and while the rest of us don't really travel or have the budgets to travel and stuff like you're out there for half the season essentially i mean the whole season but half the season you're our resource to uh, accessing what I think is an exciting team and some interesting players. So uh, if nothing else, hat tip to you. 
Okay, Amen. You guys appreciate it. Um, and thank you for thank you for having me on. And one of the reasons why it's such a great job is I get to talk to guys like you. So <laughs> see now that's, 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 that's that was the paid plug. Right, there right, exactly. Yeah, we'll exactly. Yeah, yeah, I know right. now my appearance fee has gone up, right? <laughs> <laughs> awesome, man. Chris Hine, we'll do it again sometime. We appreciate you coming on and uh yeah. Enjoy the rest of your uh your off season here. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. All right, Kyle, we do have to shout out our friends over at Power Lodge and Miller Marine here. Okay, it's still pontoon season. If you uh, haven't gotten yourself out on one of these brand-new Benningtons, look at the look at the B-roll budget we have here on Flagrant Howls, by the way. This was Kyle's drone that they filmed this with. <laughs> that green one There's is so Kyle cool. right there driving the, the pontoon. So get on it. It's the 25, uh, 25th anniversary, I should say, of Power Lodge. And so at, at all of their local locations, Brainerd, Ramsey, Anamia, Sock Rapids, they're rolling out the red carpet with delicious food, amazing prizes, fantastic giveaways. So uh, check it out at PowerLodge.com. And if you're not already in one of these Beddingtons, one of these uh, these pontoons, then you're probably missing out for the rest of summer. So I thanks. will be back in the Minneapolis area uh, the 11th through the 13th for a pretty cool event that I think I can share with you a little down the road. But uh, if anyone has a Bennington and they want to throw – Kyle and Phil on that boat for Saturday. Uh, DMs are open because I'm we trying to get out on the we water. Finchy likes to get out. At, we'll have a couple brews anonymously on Lake Minnetonka. <laughs> we'll just so show up. We hey, can... Finch, we're here. We're here. Let's do it. We're here on behalf of Miller Marine and Power Lodge. Finchy, <laughs> it's like, go away, you clowns. All right. Well, thank you for hanging out with us here. If you could give Flagrant Howls a five-star rating and a positive review on Apple Podcasts and click the like button on the Score North YouTube channel, you can help sp- and the subscribe button too. You can help spread the word about everyone's favorite Timberwolves lifestyle podcast. I'm Kyle. You're Kyle. I'm Phil. I'm dyslexic. (laughs) We'll talk next time.